Yeah, I'm already recording. Oh, I'm, I'm recording. Yeah, duh. All right, of course. Three, two, one. Welcome to another episode of the Politipop Podcast, the podcast where we take your favorite pop culture media and discuss the social and political themes within. I am your co-host, Mike Booch, a.k.a. the Soy Boy Pseudo-Intellectual, a.k.a. Comrade Soy Boy, a.k.a. Unsolicited Dickens Picks, a.k.a. Ebenezer Spooge, and in the co-host seat, as always, is my man Ty. A.k.a. Ebenezer Scrooge. Ooh, because you're getting old, is that what you're saying? Yeah, getting real old here. (laughs) But you know what? Even if we are getting old, there's still plenty of time to go and support us via our Patreon. Go follow us on YouTube, subscribe, like our videos, and leave a five-star review whenever you can on whatever podcatcher of choice uh, you, you happen to be listening us uh, listening to us on. And um, is there one more plug, one more, one more bit of shameless self-promotion? I mean, it's Christmas, you know? It, it's a time for giving, and I think <laughs> giving us some, some likes and reviews and stuff would be really helpful and appreciated. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and uh, and th- those reviews help a lot. And also, just give us as a recommendation to someone when they are listening to podcasts. And they're like, hey, I want to listen to something. And, and you think this would be up their alley. That's the best thing you can do is just recommend us to people. That's um, right. But uh, but yeah, so so today's today's film is uh, is based on an absolute Christmas classic. People credit it with with forming the very idea of what a modern day Christmas is. And I'll have to say, Ty, I'd never seen it before, but I was just impressed by all of the songs and Michael Caine's acting and, you know, Kermit's portrayal of Bob Pratchett. Uh, it was uh, Mike, really... that's that's the wrong version, buddy. What do you mean? We're today we're discussing Disney's a Christmas Carol, the animated film. Uh-huh. Listen, okay, well, I, I, I love the, the Muppets one as well. It's actually my favorite Christmas movie, but I just thought the animated version is a little more accurate to the book. And I thought on this very special Christmas episode, that's what we should be reviewing. I'm sorry. Okay, well, uh, luckily for everybody here, I actually watched both versions. <laughs> yeah, um, me too. So, <laughs> that's that's pretty awesome. So so there will be some some fun comparisons back and forth. But before we get to talking about uh, the this particular adaptation of Charles Dickens' A Christmas Carol, uh, I want to talk about some notes that we got on last week's episode from a listener. Oh, beautiful. Yes. Now, at the end of every episode, we're always asking people to, to like, you know, le- leave reviews or reach out to us if they have any opinions on the things that we say. And uh, and yeah, so there were some some counter arguments, constructive critiques. And so the following thread uh, was was sent to us or replied to us on our Batman Returns tweet by Matt. Uh, we're just going to call you Matt. Matt. Uh, is is going to be referred to as they, as per their requests on Twitter. Uh, but uh, and also, I I could have sworn that this username without an actual, uh, without an actual avatar uh, and all the numbers behind it looks a lot like a like a troll account, like a bot. But um, 
But they, but they seem to have some some legitimate tweets and opinions on things. And, yeah, uh, yeah. I know you're gonna read it, but I, you know, I also read it as well, and I do think there was some there was some good discussion going on there, some valid points, and and I'm glad we're gonna we're gonna talk talk about it a little bit. Yeah, my opinion on on the identity of Matt is uh, I I am not good with the internet, so I could I know I seem like a god to you, Todd, but uh, <laughs> I could very well be getting trolled by a bot. But even so, if <laughs> I, this bot has some great points, no, uh, but Matt, thank you so much for reaching out to us. Let me read this thread, and uh, I think I'm gonna respond like after every every tweet. I've listened to your podcast, and in the interest of reaching out with constructive and respective viewpoints. Uh, mission statement I 100% endorse, especially the part about not insulting each other on comment threads. Would it be possible to exchange some opinions? Yes. All right, next. <laughs> I share many of your political views. Speaking as someone who's politically on the left, I define myself first and foremost as an egalitarian, but as a big fan slash obsessive of this film, I'm not entirely sure about your reading of some of the characters, particularly Max and Penguin. Uh, so I, my fandom has just been called out here, and I will not take <laughs> your gatekeeping lightly, Matt. Um, no, uh, awesome. Glad, that's, glad somebody else actually appreciates the film. Here's some pretty legitimate readings. Uh, the the okay we'll see maybe hyperbolic we'll see the penguin is the most in all caps oppressed character in the film a victim of ableism no less and someone who lives underground with a bunch of highly intelligent but impoverished former circus performers they are literally gotham's underclass um so this i i'm actually my face is a little red because i may not agree that the penguin is the most oppressed character in the film but i definitely do think that the penguin is a victim of ableism and as somebody like myself who has worked uh with the differently abled population for a good majority of my life and i usually call it out wherever i find it uh in in any of our episodes if we were reviewing horror movies that have uh terrible stigmas of individuals who are differently abled or mentally ill i usually make it a point to mention that but i think i really bought into the whole lens of this is the bad guy of the movie i am not to view him in any way as a victim and i am only to view him as as a villain so i really looked through that lens and and i was uh you know very very narrow in that but i can definitely agree with the with the ableism aspect um and yeah these are a bunch of impoverished uh, circus performers um so so yeah i think they all come from from a place where i know in the last episode ty you mentioned that they uh that you know, he was he was raised by penguins. I don't I don't think you meant it hundred percent serious. I did I didn't. He, I was oh yeah, yeah. I was joking. Just, but yeah, okay, there you go. Yeah, he happens to resemble one. I just wanted to get that out there before a tweet uh, came at us. But uh, no, yeah, any I, I, it, that's on that an, part? yeah, yeah, definitely. So I mean, as I stated in the last review, I'm not a huge fan of the movie. So um, I was kind of uh, not not I guess taking everything as seriously when I when I watched it and you know took my notes so my apologies on that as well I did mention um, that the penguin was you know abused by his family that he was thrown in the cage and then dumped into the river uh, but you know I didn't really focus too much on the abuse he suffered that being said I do think it's not necessarily an excuse for his behavior through the film um, you know I, I do stand by the fact that he is very abusive to Selena. Um, and these same people that help raise him, you know, he uses them for his own personal gain and kills them without remorse, right? And even so, they have more of a conscience despite being yeah. cast aside in a similar fashion. Right. So, you know, to me, um, I, I still kind of stand by my, in some ways, my like Donald Trump uh, comparison where he doesn't fit in with, 
you know, the rich. He doesn't fit in with the poor. He kind of makes his own path. Um, and again, it doesn't, you know, forgive what the sins that were committed against him or, or, you know, not recognizing the abuse he suffered, but, you know, it doesn't make what he did okay. And I still think he is a villain. Next tweet. And Max is clearly a self-made man, unlike Elon, heir to the diamond mine fortune, who's an emerald mine, uh, Musk. Yes, Max's son is a spoiled rich kid who can afford to be a dumbass, but it's constantly implied that Max worked his way from rags to riches. And this next part is totally true. And uh, despite the amount of times I've seen this film, I completely miss it because I guess I'm just always focused on the people in the costumes. But uh, the references to his own inauspicious start in life, brilliant way to use that word in a sentence. I don't know. (laughs) Yeah, bravo, bravo. I'm blown away by it. Uh, um, I'm just a poor schmo and many jibes at Bruce Wayne's old money. Let me guess. Trust fund goody goody shows you they they didn't request that I read it in the walk-in voice. Um, shows what just you know, Mr. <laughs> Mr. To the manna born with a silver spoon are too numerous to be accidental. To quote Christopher Walken on Max Shrek, I think that Max, we're bringing in fucking interviews from the, man, I should have, I should um, I think that Max probably didn't have a lot of formal education. He sort of made his own way, which confirms the idea that Max is self-made and no dummy. And yeah, I completely missed that, but that's a really great point that Max actually does come from a different type of money than Bruce Wayne does, or the money that Penguin's family came from that he never really had access to. So I think it does explain a lot more of his, of his behaviors in that Max is, um, he is, he's more closer to, to like, let's say the Waltons than anything else, because he is a department store tycoon. And I made sure to listen to another podcast that actually reviewed Batman Returns, then listen to our podcast reviewing Batman Returns. So I made sure I I had a pretty good idea of the context. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so he actually is, is, Going into the energy sector, I think to secure his his fortune and legacy, as we mentioned, and leave something behind for his kid, Um, you know, in a way. So having come into his own money and 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 worked himself out of poverty, he definitely doesn't fit the millionaire uh, idea that you and I usually have, Ty, especially. And I'll talk in a bit about the about the painting with the Trump brush that we do tend to do on this podcast. We do. Um, you know, but it, it does it does show that he is really just about not one particular thing. Any way I can make money, any way I can brand myself, um, and it does explain a lot of his actions. We we took it more as he will never get caught to doing the bad things he does, which is very likely. But also, I think he has he has just that cutthroat mentality because he came from a place that Bruce didn't. Like Bruce, I think, is allowed to be a lot more compassionate in the way he thinks because he never had to fight for his money, whereas Max had to fight every step of the way. So we see him doing terrible things to defend it. Yeah, no, that's valid. I mean, I I, um, I wanted to really focus on kind of Bruce Wayne as not being a hero because, uh, you know, I've just come to to realize that Batman is, is very um, – he, he's just he's just not perfect you know and so that was where my focus was but yeah you know these are all valid points he you know max earned his money from the way up you know i guess you could compare him more to someone like steve jobs right who who really had to uh work to get where you know where he wound up um that being said again it doesn't necessarily make him a good person he does some horrible things in the film uh and it seems that you know the lessons he learned from making money were 
to screw over the people of his city uh, and make sure that his son has money. So, you know, it's it's a shame. I don't know if you could say money corrupts or, you know, if the city just seems to corrupt everyone in it, whether you're rich or poor. But, uh, you know, he definitely makes some very, very terrible choices to preserve what he has fought for. And I actually will cover that mentality while we talk more about A Christmas Carol, the mentality of I worked my way up and then not giving back to, from whence you came. Uh, right. Let me let me finish off this thread and then we'll we'll finish our, our our responses, which we weren't necessarily asked to make, but I think it's important to have a dialogue. Yeah, we asked we asked people to reach out, so you know we're gonna respond. Thank you. So Matt, they continue to say, as for the penguin, here's what Danny DeVito had to say about his character. The penguin is a very. <laughs> <laughs> oh no! Oh that no! Just voice for we Danny just got DeVito canceled. <laughs> Danny DeVito isn't a race. I can do a Danny DeVito voice, or is it a penguin voice? It's, I don't know, man. It's, it's just the penguin up. is a very intelligent man, someone who always wanted acceptance. I mean, his parents took one look at him when he was a baby and totally rejected him. But if they tried to understand that there was a human being inside that hideous penguin boy, he might have been another Albert Einstein. A stand-in for Donald Trump? I don't think so. In fact, the poor orphan disabled penguin and the self-made and rather gaunt widower Max Shrek have arguably had a much harder life than the classically beautiful, able-bodied Selena, whose mother still regularly checks up on her. Yes, Selena is a victim of misogyny, and she's treated horrendously by her entitled employer, but I think the dynamic between these characters is much more nuanced than intersectional simply and intersectional simply than penguin Max bad oppressors. Uh, meanwhile, Selena is the good victim. Also, if you want to talk about unearned privilege in the core, man, this went on for a lot longer than I thought it did. Um, also, if you want to talk about unearned privilege and the correlation between privilege and stupidity, I'd like to direct you both to Chip Shrek, the spoiled heir to the Shrek in- to Shrek Industries and Gotham's prince, uh, princess, surely a symbolic title, who is clearly the film's least intelligent character. Did they refer to him as Gotham's princess? Maybe the prince. Maybe it was just a, a typo that they were they had on their phone. No, I, I think... Uh, or do, thought... do they say Gotham's princess? I mean, once again, I'm the fake fan, apparently. So well, I don't know. You've I... seen the movie a lot more times than me, so... But if, if you noticed princess and I didn't, you know? I, I thought um, so. I don't know. Uh, but as I say, Penguin and Max, for all their evil, are nuanced and complex characters who evoke pathos. Their evil is a product of their circumstances... One man was tossed side by his parents for being disabled. The other has a chip on his shoulder about being born poor. Also has a chip who is his son. Thanks for your time, but I guess this illustrates why I have grown disenchanted with Marxism, despite the left wing, my left-wing credentials and belief in egalitarianism. Correct me if I'm wrong, but for me, Marxism is too binary and black and white. It doesn't leave enough room for complexity. We need to push forward a progressive left-wing agenda that significantly reduces the wealth gap. I agree that there's no justification for billionaires in society, although, quite frankly, I'd personally do away with millionaires too. Yet it is humanistic and compassionate. When I speak of doing away with billionaires and millionaires, I'm not talking about literally targeting and assaulting individuals. I'm not talking about a bloody revolution. I object to their socioeconomic status, not their, hu- not their humanity. Um, so, so that was, that was the end of it. Uh, hopefully oh. you guys got, <laughs> Ty, you with us? You with us? Uh, hopefully you <laughs> I don't think I saw that last tweet. Um, no, I, I think that since this podcast started, 
uh, I personally, I'm not going to speak for you, Ty. I've been using the Donald Trump brush in a lot of the things that that we've reviewed. And I think more so it's just because I'm one of those people who didn't really become political until Trump entered entered my atmosphere, entered my zeitgeist. And I was I was very much like, oh, so this is the bad guy like of my generation. I'm sure if we got someone like Joe Armstrong here, he'd be able to relate Max Shrek or the Penguin to a bunch of other people as well. You know, random mayors that nobody has ever heard of from Ohio or something. <laughs> well, listen, we're, we're not political analysts, right? I don't yes. think we've ever claimed to be. We're just uh, two guys that happen to be very left-leaning um, who have, you know, discuss media and we, we kind of find what, what we see within it. Um, and, and right now, Donald Trump, uh, as I know I've mentioned on here, everyone talks about him all the time. So, again, like you said, he is in the zeitgeist. He's, he's there in our brains all the time. He's always in the media. Uh, for me, I think I talk more about Jeff Bezos because I just fucking hate him. Uh, and fair, I think fair. Amazon is just so corrupt yet convenient so their employees get abused and we just keep buying into it. But, um, again, yeah, I agree. Like we just, we talk about the things that we know well and that we hear about a lot. So, you know, we're not political analysts. I think we we're learning every day and we bring up some really, um, interesting articles and we, we try to learn and, and educate our, our listeners, but you know, that we're not claiming to be, um, you know, professionals at this. So if you're lis- listening for political stuff, um, I would definitely employ you to look elsewhere. You know, if, if you're, you know, if you're looking for opinions, we're the guys to go to. Yeah, I think that I think that's well said. Speaking of Bezos, real quick, I do want to mention an app that I just downloaded called Miria. Uh, I'm probably not pronouncing it correctly. I'm sorry, but Miria. It's M as in Michael. I I R I Y A, and it is uh, like the Amazon for black-owned businesses. So nice. download that as soon as you can uh, if you're listening to this. Just wanted to throw that that plug in there. No, we're not being paid by them. We're not being paid by anybody. Um, yeah. But, uh, but yeah, so uh, so I think the Marxist thing came from earlier in the episode when I mentioned my cousin posting Marxist theory. Right. And uh, right. I personally don't define myself as a Marxist. When this podcast started, it was a more liberal podcast because I was a liberal person. And then, you know, it became a lot more radically left. And, you know, right now I would I would I guess I would align myself more with with communism, but it's the basic theory of communism from what I've read of the manifesto. I wouldn't dare call myself a Marxist, a Leninist, or, or any person's name-ist except for my own name because people are are flawed. And like you yes. said, you know, you don't want something that's black and white. If I find a label that is more appropriate for my idea of leftism, then I will definitely apply that. Or if I get red-pilled and in 2021 I become Alex Jones, that's the type <laughs> of podcast this is going to be. You know? <laughs> like, I don't oh, know. You know I, what I'm saying is there's always room for evolution. Well, right. You know, I and, think uh, as we were both Bernie politics. supporters, um, Bernie showed, you know, that Was, you, don't, yeah. you, don't, you don't have to take every aspect of every leftist. You know, you take little things, you take little things and you make, you know, democratic socialism um, is, is little aspects of, of leftism. So, again, I, I also agree. I wouldn't call myself a Marxist or anything like that. But, you know, uh, I do lean left. I think it's important to to study and understand these different um, leftist theories and how we can apply them to a modern day, you know, society. So, uh, yeah, I, again, you know, I, we typically will focus on billionaires and and uh, and you know, wealthy millionaires and all that. But um, yeah, I wouldn't I wouldn't give ourselves a label. Yeah, and uh, you know, that being said, Matt, thank you very much. Um, oh, the one last thing was just the matter of, you know, like 
Selena, Selena being born able, being born able bodied, and having her mom having the privilege of still having a mom isn't really her fault, though. Yeah, I'm um, glad you brought that up. I, 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 that part I strongly disagree with. I really don't think that makes her any less of a victim just just for being a person. You know, she she didn't she didn't do anything to uh, to you know to hurt, really hurt even hurt anyone when she is you know clearly murdered and abused in the film so uh you know again yeah being able-bodied and having a mother doesn't make her any less of a victim yeah you know just like everybody else she's doing what she has with her own means um you know and instead of taking her trauma and using it for nefarious ends she blows up the department store that her boss who kills her owns she manages to be the one to do away with him and uh, she also saves a woman from getting raped. Like, she's really the only hero in the movie. Batman yeah. straight murders people. <laughs> you know, but but yeah, the, the Batman lends... Uh, sorry, the Batman lore itself is really an interesting look at trauma and how people redirect it or overcome it or or cope with it. Uh, and we'll, we'll have plenty of episodes coming up on that because I love everything Batman. Um, but oh, yeah. the... The 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 last bit talking about d- does it make more sense to have a physical revolution in order for the the bourgeois to fall and the proletariat to finally earn their uh, you know get their their keep what they what they what they've what they've been due or does it help to uh, guilt them and shame them and fear them through supernatural means into sharing their wealth with those who desperately need it. I, I can't tell you for sure, but what I can tell you is that I'm hearing something uh, on addi- in addition to these Christmas bells. What do you think that is, Ty? Oh, it must be. It must be the, the dreaded spoiler warning. That's right. The spoiler warning is here and will be here midnight next night and midnight the night after that and I think one more night if I remember the plot correctly <laughs> and it's going to to tell you all about this movie all about this story really because it is an adaptation of an age old tale so uh, spoiler warning is in full effect if you haven't seen any version of A Christmas Carol uh, don't listen to this because it probably won't or you know what you could listen to this and then, and then watch it and see if, if what we say matches up Matt ooh you let me know, all right? You get <laughs> yes. back to us next week. And uh, if you can do it in, like, five tweets or less, I'll keep reviewing <laughs> your shit at the front of the yeah. show. Uh, we look know. forward to hearing it from you every week. <laughs> yeah, we still have time for that. So, you know, until another segment takes it up. Um, but, yeah, so so let's get into it. This is A Christmas Carol. I'm going to start playing a little game with myself. Uh, yes, I did get it from another podcast where before oh. I review a movie or some other work that I'm not 100 percent that I haven't like seen it, you know, it might not be a Batman movie or something like that. Then I'm I'm going to write down my guesses as to what the story is about. So what I wrote down before watching this movie was Scrooge has money and is a dick. Young boy with crutch gets a goose. Ghosts use time travel to guilt trip this dude into not being so cheap. But you um, know, you've seen a Christmas Carol before, like a different version, right? Um, I've seen like I've seen it ripped off here and there, but unfortunately, what? yeah, it's bits even the and Muppet pieces. version. Bits and yeah, I just watched the Muppet version for the first time today. Um, when I wow. tell you, I didn't. I mean, this isn't really a child story, but when I tell you, I didn't have a childhood. I'm not fucking around. Like that's traumatic. I, <laughs> I wouldn't even call this me. necessarily a children's story, but it's definitely a, a classic. 
Yeah, I mean, when now we do see Christmas as technically it's a child's holiday. I mean, it's you know it's it's widely celebrated. It's the you know quote unquote the fun one. Um, but <laughs> and, you know that that's not my opinion. It's just clearly Christmas has had a much better run of marketing than other holidays within was within, within this this you know period the winter season have had right right and um you know we gotta we gotta look at the context here charles dickens when he was 12 years old his father was put in prison uh for not paying debt and he was forced to go into a workhouse and live and work there work 10 hour days in a, in a boot blacking factory uh he grew up during the industrial revolution and saw all of the terrible things that were happening to working class people because of the industrial revolution there weren't as there weren't child labor laws or safety laws for workers then you could get you know get paid cents for working a 14 hour day not you know cents whatever what do they use shillings some shit they use more than shillings but listen <laughs> i don't know victorian england currency all right um, <laughs> you should have done your research first damn it. i know right uh, but but this this is a story born out of an individual who has tasted desperation and has right. and has seen things from from the perspective of of the people and I believe he was he was actually you know not doing too great himself financially at the time no. that he that he wrote this 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 novel novel tale uh, did he yeah, story it's more of a short story but limerick is it a yeah, short story I think so I, I okay no. novella. Novella, yeah, we'll go novella. <laughs> we'll settle on novella. Uh, but yeah, so Ty, you're 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 into this movie. Um, oh, we didn't even do the plot yet. No, so, but I'm ready. All right, then chomping at the bit. Give us the plot. A <laughs> uh, Disney's A Christmas Carol, an animated retelling of Charles Dickens' classic novel about a Victorian era miser taken on a journey of self-redemption, courtesy of several mysterious Christmas apparitions. So I do want to start just by explaining um, that this is a ghost story, right? And uh, I, I have a really great article we can put in the show notes, but I'm just going to read a little bit of that and, and give a little insight into why, uh, you know, they did a ghost story for such a classic Christmas tale. So right why do on. people tell ghost stories on Christmas? Ghost stories are a tradition going back much farther than a Christmas carol. Ebenezer Scrooge wasn't the first fictional character to see ghosts around Christmas time. The tradition of a holiday ghost story goes much, for, much, much further back, farther perhaps than Christmas itself. When the night grows long and the year is growing to a close, it's only natural that people feel an instinct to gather together. At the edge of the year, it also makes sense to think about people and places that are no longer with us. Thus, the Christmas ghost story. Its origins have little to do with the kind of commercial Christmas we celebrated since the Victorian age. They're about darker, older, more fundamental things. Winter, death, rebirth, and the rap connection between the teller and his or her audience. But they're packaged in the cozy trappings of the holiday. Christmas, as celebrated in Europe and the U.S., was originally connected to the pagan winter solstice ce- uh, celebration and a festival known as Yule. The darkest day of the year was seen by many as a time when the dead would have particularly good access to the living. Religious studies professor Justin Daniels uh, says this. So, yeah, I mean, basically, it's uh, it's a an act that that goes further back than than the actual holiday of Christmas um, to the the pagan holidays, and you know when when the nights are dark and cold and. You want to tell a, a little scary story as you feel a little closer to to death and and those that have passed. So uh, yes, I really enjoy a Christmas Carol. Growing up, um, a Muppet Christmas Carol was always my favorite, or at least one of my favorites. Um, I thought it was hilarious and scary, and it's also um, my girlfriend's favorite story. So when when we started dating, we, we she made me watch like every version of a Christmas Carol, including this one, and uh, it really spoke to me just because it's so. 
it's so creepy and spooky, and uh, I think it just stands out so much from other Christmas movies. And the message, obviously, is one that I think is so, so important to get across. And especially as we've discussed so many you know leftist uh, ideals here on, on the podcast, I thought this would be a great, great film to talk about. Now, in the show notes and sources, we'll have plenty of of uh, links to not just articles, but also YouTube videos that uh, they kind of bring about the context and under which this story was created. But um, also there's one video that I thought was really interesting because uh, I'm not sure if the, if the channel itself is, is like an alt-right channel or something like that, but they definitely uh, had someone on who was like, who is who's sharing some some very interesting you know alt right pro capitalist takes on this and uh, and you know you'll you'll have the video it's only like twelve minutes long you'll have it in the show notes but like basically the guy was saying that that Ebenezer Scrooge is this guy who worked his way up from nothing everybody has their hands in his pocket they want his money despite the fact that that he's you know he's helping them he's giving them places to live he's lending out cash. Um, he, uh, he also, you know, like he's the business owner, so he's taking all the risk and there's other people who just want more from him. They want days off, you know, to spend with their family, but then they need to work because, you know, we're talking about Bob Pratchett here, you know, that the kids, you know, one of the kids is sick and you're having kids you can't afford and you're just trading time for money. You're not actually taking any of the risks that come with owning a business. And just hearing this, this opinion, I was completely blown away that that somebody could could take that viewpoint of it but it does really make sense when you do think of you know we talked about it before like the classic uh capitalists who have been indoctrinated since since birth and they simp for millionaires and and they're like oh well you know it's their money they worked hard for it and they and they deserve to have it yeah um ty would you describe scrooge to be that sort of character or (laughs) (laughs) well you know uh, look at it like this right um if you if you want to look at that explanation of it uh, you know, Bob Cratchit probably does not get paid days, paid days off. He does not get sick time or personal time. So, you know, yes, he needs to work because he's being underpaid by his very wealthy boss when he's clearly relied on to do a lot of work for, for Scrooge as he doesn't have really anyone else in the office. His partner's dead. Uh, he's elderly. Um, you know, so... You can look at it like that, but the reason that these people have their hands in his pocket is because he's not he's not giving what is rightfully owed to other people. You know, he's hoarding the wealth, which we see so much in, in our society today. So, uh, you know, I obviously disagree with that take very much. But, you know, I think we've, we've spoken about this before. You can kind of ch- twist anything to your perspective if you if you really want and try. Um, but I think it's very obvious that, that Charles Dickens was not uh, a, a pro-capitalist and that his, his message was one of, you know, uh, generosity and, and, you know, helping others. So uh, don't agree with it. And I don't think it's, it's what uh, Charles Dickens set out to do. Yeah, a lot of uh, there were also people on that on that video who were saying like, yeah, I don't agree with that take. I think you're projecting, making it some like like it's socialist propaganda. But, um, you know, the the 
What's interesting here also is that in the Muppets version, they talk about how, so not only does he lend money out, he's a landlord, right? Like he can evict people. He, you know, people pay him to stay. And from what I understand, because of his penny pinching ways are less than livable conditions. Like these accommodations suck pretty bad from what I understand. Well, yeah, I mean, like there's a point in the Disney version where they're showing like a possible future where, you know, uh, he's no longer around and they're like, oh, like, thank God he's gone. Like any other lender will never be as like malicious as he is. So like as as bad as all these money lenders are, he's the worst of the worst. Right. He won't even put heat on for Bob Cratchit in his office. Right. Like he doesn't want to like spend the money on coal. So they sit there in the cold, you know, the days before Christmas when it, it's obviously very cold in England. Um, and, you know, pay, you know, without having to pay for that because he's just so cheap. I mean, he even steals the coins from his partner's corpse, right? In the very beginning of the Disney film. Like, uh, he has to, that I was guess, such, I was, I was blown away. I was like, how am I watching this right now? I, yeah. Well, he has to tip, I guess, like the mortician or the funeral, you know, uh, owner, parlor owner. And, yeah. and then he turns around and takes the money back. And, and he's like, you know, he basically says like, you know, money's money. And he's going to take it right right from the eyelids of his dead partner. Yeah, the weird thing about Scrooge is that among wealthy people who are known for flaunting their wealth and spending as much of it as possible, he comes from that, that mentality, that, that rags-to-riches mentality that is very real, that he's not even going to spend money on himself. Like, he, and I'm not sure if this is mentioned in the movie, but it's in the lore that, like, he subsists on so little food because he doesn't want to spend on himself. He doesn't want to spend any money because you never know when it's not going to be there. In the Muppets version, uh... Charles Dickens is played by Gonzo, who's narrating, and he says <laughs> that, like, when he went up into his home, he kept it dark because dark was cheap because he didn't have to light a lamp or anything. Like, he he is, you know, it's not that he's just cheap. It's not that he's just an asshole to people. He happens to be both of them. And, you know, yeah. we see that this is because he is kind of living in a self-imposed exile. Uh, he He has pushed away everybody who is ever important to him. He does have one living relative who is his nephew, but still, you know, pushes him away, to, you know, even tells him, oh, you know, that this is when I, I said he was spitting some real shit, you know, because he says like, oh, you know, you're poor enough. Why are you know, why are you why are you happy? You know, because his, his his nephew is like, well, you're you know, you're wealthy enough. Why aren't you happy? Like, yeah, um, yeah. Well, like, um, you know, we've talked about this, like, you know, the idea that you can save your money or you can spend your money and, you know, it can make you happy. Right. Especially, you know, as both of us grew up kind of poor, we, we tend to when we get money, we tend to spend it. You yeah, know? that's a nice way of putting and, it. But yes. And, uh, <laughs> you know, I feel like Scrooge has spent so much of his life saving his money to the point where he's no longer living his life. Right. He goes to work. He comes home. He goes to work. He comes home. Like he has, he finds no enjoyment. He has no friends or family. Like he has, he has so few employees that he only hires Bob Cratchit, which is why he, even in his elderly state, he still has to work. You know, every day he want, you know, he has to work on Christmas. You know, which Pratchett has to beg him for the day off. Yep, and you know, you mentioned the nephew. So the nephew uh, Fred, I believe his name is, he comes to to visit Scrooge and you know, wish him a merry Christmas. And even though Scrooge is so horrible to him. Uh, his nephew still invites him to Christmas dinner. You know, he he wants to try to you know put it out there and and you know make amends. He's like, why can't we be friends? 
you know, and, and Scrooge is just like, you know, you made Christmas your way, I make it mine. You know, I don't understand why you like it. And like you said, he, he mentions how he's poor. And there's a great quote I wrote down from the nephew. And he says, uh, there are many things from which I have derived good and have not profited. Christmas being among them. But I have always thought of Christmas as a kind, charitable time. The only time when men open their shut up hearts and think of all people as fellow travelers to the grave and not some other race of creatures bound on other journeys. And therefore, uncle, although it has never put a scrap of gold or silver in my pocket, I believe it has done me good. And I say, God bless it. I thought that was such a great quote. You know, he talks about how men who are typically so, you know, tough and hate on each other and their hearts are closed to one another. They finally open up around Christmas time and, you know, they realize everyone around them is, is going to end up in the same place. They're all going to die, but you know, they, they are, they are similar. They are the same and it's a time to love and care about each other. And although he's never, you know, made, made money off of Christmas, it's made him happy and feel fulfilled. And, you know, Scrooge, on the other hand, has made money off of it, and he clearly is not feeling fulfilled. You know, he's miserable and angry, and it has done him no good. And Fred's words here are made all the more powerful when you really think about how, by at the time this was written, Christmas wasn't the big spectacle it is now. I've I've spoken in previous episodes about how important the media is. You know, we see the first interracial kiss on this show. We see an individual wearing dreads on this show. We see, um, you know, we 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 see. Uh, a, a woman working in a position she normally doesn't and now it's more accepted in real life because we saw it in a movie or on a TV show like you know books are are what started that a lot of people who maybe shut up in their in their own little world and not be able to get out and meet other kinds of people they get their their um their culture from television or movies or books or the media or whatever it may be so that's why you know I, I want to stress again just how important the media is because this was Dickens saying hey maybe Christmas is a charitable time for for people for, for all the Scrooges of the world who whose name uh, I heard in an interview I'm not sure if it was intentionally made this way is both the combination of screw and gouge you know, hmm. so you're gouging prices, you're screwing over the working man. He was Scrooge. Like, that was his thing. Interesting. Um, you know, but but that that is Dickens saying, this is what Christmas could be and should be. And while I don't necessarily buy into, into you know, the idea of that just because um, – how do, how do I put it without sounding like a Scrooge myself? Uh, just because, you know, things have been as commercialized as, as they are now, you know, with what, with what we see as Christmas today. But, um, you know, Dickens says that, hey, we can not just give away money on Christmas, not just help out the people in need on Christmas, you know, because he, you know, Scrooge intentionally refuses to help out the poor and donate things. But he says all the time because, you know, from what I understand, the end of the story is that Scrooge is a changed man, not just on this one day. Yes. Um. So, so yeah, when you, when you, when you do think about that, like this could be the story that starts all of the charities and fundraisers that come about during the holiday season. Yeah. I think, I think the message of the film, you know, is, be a good person all year round and then celebrate on Christmas. You know what I mean? Like, like give yourself a chance to have a good time and spend time with the people that, you know, you've, you've been helping and loving and, you know, it, it's a time to, to feel like, Hey, we did some good this year and, and, you know, look forward to the next year it's, itself. And, you know, the, the more people you help, the more people that, you know, you bring into your, your circle, um, the, 
the better you're, you'll fulfill, feel fulfilled. You'll be, you'll feel better about yourself and about the world, and you can really make a difference. Um, but if you act like Scrooge, you will be miserable. And you know there is there is a punishment in the afterlife waiting you. And I think we also see that in real life now because we are now feeling the absence of all of the people that we normally have around us. You know, with COVID nineteen and and just trying to keep ourselves safe and everything. It's very powerful, the the effect that that has on you. And Scrooge has been living this way for his entire life, you know, if not, you know, his entire adult life, his entire life, because uh, we get the ghost of Christmas past. Can I start talking about the ghosts? You you let me know, Chief. I mean, if you want. Yeah, I had some more about, you know, uh, the two men coming for donation, but we can jump around. It's fine. Yeah, so the reason why I wanted to talk about the, you know, the the ghost of Christmas past is because he shows... uh, they show Scrooge. I don't know exactly which. They were creepy in both fucking versions. The ghost <laughs> um, shows him who he was as a kid. And and while we do see him uh, growing up in a boarding school, spending most Christmases alone, learning that work was the only way that he could truly gain any sort of agency in his life because that led to to capital and to currency for him. We also see that he's happy because he remembers a time when he did have friends uh, when he was young, even though those Christmases kind of sucked. Like he did, he did still have friends, and we see that it brought this this jovial spirit out of him. Well, he had um, a sister, right? He had a beloved sister that that he really, really cared about, and he lost her. And I think some of the the reasoning for him pushing other people away is because you know after he lost her, he was afraid of experiencing that again. Um, you know, because she was so important to him. And I believe, you know, that that's that's how he has his nephew, right? That uh, his sister was, was his nephew's mother. But, you know, I yes. think he just he just won't embrace anyone else after losing her. It's, it's you know, it hurt him so badly in a way that I, I think he's afraid to open up. And before we do go to the next ghost, because I think I know exactly what you want to talk about, let us do talk about the donation guys, because... Um, you know, is this where he mentions the surplus population? So, so these two gentlemen come and they're, you know, they're asking for donations. Uh, and, and Scrooge does bring up the fact that there, you know, he asks if there's any prisons. Uh, are the union workhouses in operation? Is the treadmill treadmill in full vigor? Uh, and, and to which these men, you know, explain, yes, that that's all true. But you know, many people don't have the 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 chance to go to these these workhouses, and they'll die. You know, they'll die in the streets. Uh, and he says they had better then they had better do it and decrease the surplus population because it's to him it doesn't matter you know it's just very matter of fact like there's they have places they can go they can go to prison that's one of his options right go to prison um the so I looked up what the treadmill was because I wasn't sure and and much like a treadmill, oh yeah he meant it very literally not yeah literally. it's like a it's like a a way of punishing someone. It's like a metal treadmill that you literally are forced to, to walk on. You know, it was, it was a a Victorian punishment system. Um, You know, the union workhouses were places where you had to, you know, I I believe Oliver twists, right. And another one of his books grows up in, in a union workhouse. It's where the very poor go to just to get a meal, but their, their conditions there are very poor. They're not, they're not good. They're not places you want to be. Yeah. That's uh that was, you know, a big theme in all of his works was, you know, the orphans, the poor people, because, you know, he pretty much grew up as those people having worked in an actual workhouse. He was able to put that experience into Oliver Twist. Uh, another thing is he does share our common conception that 
the poor can just go to prison also. Like, yeah, you know, a lot of people had to had to turn to crime in order to in order to make anything. And they would you know, they would just end up in prison. Um, this is a there's a current there's a current value that I think the United States still has, even though we don't say it outright. We say the bad people go to prison, but really we mean the poor people go to yes. prison yep. because it's the poor people who can't pay their tickets. It's the poor people who can't pay a fine for something like literally a lot of those laws are just put in place for poor people. As long as you can pay the fine, you can commit the crime. Well, yeah, it's like a lot of, you know, th- there's that idea that a lot of rich folks are able to get out of committing crimes because they can use money to pay their way out of what the problem is. Whereas, you know, someone who's less fortunate doesn't have that opportunity. And, you know, this this uh, surplus population quote also kind of reminded me of what happened with COVID. You know, the 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 government, the, you know, the corporations, they wanted everyone to go back to work. We got to we got to get back to work and open the schools. You know, we can't just stay home. We can't get a handout. You know, at the risk of of killing how many? You know, uh, I believe there was that governor, right? I think in Texas, who said, you know, if we got if people have to die to to get you know the economy started, then they'll do it. You know, they were willing to sacrifice people, and that is what Scrooge is willing to do. He he doesn't care. You know, if if people have to die to keep earning him money, then he will keep doing it. I didn't even think of the COVID relation, but that is that's that's very true. Like there are people who just believe that. All right, well, you know. Only the, you know, the vulnerable are going to die. So just go off and, and let them die. Um, you know, obviously, that's a very uh, myopic idea just because just because it's, you know, not just the vulnerable. It is the poor people, too, because they, you know, they have to go out and work because there is no lockdown. There is no wage, uh, no wage supplementation. There is no uh, mortgage forgiveness or rent freeze or anything right now in the United States. So, so yeah, it's it's not just the vulnerable. It's it's other people who you know they they now have to work and expose themselves. Maybe they do get over it, but there are a lot of side effects that come from having COVID nineteen. And you know, it, it's it just pisses me off that it's always the people who have the whole oh, it's the survival of the fittest. I had to read some bullshit in the most recent uh, episode I did for Occupy a Job on Wall Street. For those of you who don't know, I'm a voice actor, and I do have to read a lot of reprehensible shit in order to make a buck from, you know, I just imagine I'm playing an asshole character. But he's very much the whole, like, herd immunity, and, you know, we got to get the economy rolling, and that's the most important stuff. And, you know, the and it says, like, oh, the Black Plague killed, you know, these specific people, but, you know, the people who were left were stronger. Like, all, all this bullshit, because it isn't a matter of survival of the fittest it's a matter of survival of the richest that's it yeah you know if you can afford to not have to go out and work then you can afford to stay indoors right now so the surplus population line was a direct uh shot at uh i believe the guy's name was mathis or malthus uh i'll, I'll put it in the show notes uh both he and Karl marx had two uh, there comes marx again had two <laughs> opposing views i believe of surplus population but the idea was this is that as resources were produced people would continue to reproduce as well. So, you know, there may only be a certain amount of resources. This is kind of also a Thanos theory. Uh, there may only be a certain <laughs> amount of resources to feed people, but people are going to keep reproducing. So the idea was those people who could not be fed were the surplus population. And it sparked this 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 idea, especially in the environment in which Dickens had grown up, that if you helped poor people, you would only prolong the inevitable. 
that they would, you know, continue to eat up resources until they died. Meanwhile, if you didn't help, then they would just die off on their own and everybody else could still share in the in the resources that were left over. So that is the that's the original idea of the surplus population. It's obviously something that that Ebenezer Scrooge believed in. And this goes back to Matt's tweet about the humanity of billionaires. Because Matt yeah. said that they wanted to do away with billionaires. My argument is that the very existence of billionaires does invalidate their humanity. You can you lose so much of yourself in in becoming that person that you don't really see the people you could help. To to if I were given a million dollars in my life, I'm I'm pretty sure I'd be fine. You know, like like that's it. But there are people who continue to hoard and hoard and hoard wealth d- despite I would like to say they know about all of the people who who could use that money if it would go back into the community or go to nonprofits that that would help them. But um you know but also I think Ebenezer Scrooge represents the ignorance of of individuals despite being someone who came from uh an inauspicious start um you know <laughs> he 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 has forgotten where he came from. There were other people who well actually even then Scrooge himself was able to go to a boarding school like granted he wasn't fathered well or parented well at all but he still did grow up with an access to education that access to education gave him the ability to make money as a businessman and therefore his privilege allows him to 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 be that capitalist and and not see through the lenses of his own ignorance and in you know the whole reason why these ghosts come is to show him the literal people who do need that those resources if you don't pay your guy enough cuz you feel he doesn't deserve it he doesn't get to take care of his kids one of his kids is sick and i think needs a surgery or needs medicine or something you know tiny tim uh he'll come up at some point but um you know, the idea is just it's it's not dissimilar from what's going on with, you know, Pelosi and her crew right now that it it's very much. Oh, well, you know, we don't see the people or Joe Biden. Right. I understand that you're going through these things, but I'm not going to do anything to help you. So, you know, it, there, there's just this disconnect. There's this disconnect. And I know I went from billionaires to, to Democrats and, you know, excuse me for making the jump. But the idea is there are not too far away. It, it's not. They're so far removed that they can just they can just ignore the people who actually do need the help and say, well, it's their fault. You know, but like th- that guy said, they're having too many kids. Blah, blah, blah. Sorry. They, they think that? they think they're the hero, though, I think, in their own stories, you know, like like everyone does. Right. They probably I think, you know, deep down, they maybe they really do believe that what they're doing is right. You know, maybe someone like Jeff Bezos is like, hey, I'm creating jobs. You know, so he watches the Christmas car. I was like. He's like, well, that was a fun movie. He's like, you know, I'm, I'm really, I'm not like that because I'm, I'm creating work. I'm creating Amazon warehouses all around the world, you know. But uh, again, it, it goes down to the fact that, but you're not fairly paying these people that are doing this job, you know. You're not treating them the way they should be treated, um, and that's how you become a billionaire, right? Like you said, they're, they're giving up their humanity because in order to get to that level of wealth to level up that high you've got to you got to step on some some people's backs so so yeah do you have anything else to say about the donation guys no no you know it, it, uh, i think they they leave pretty pretty quickly after that once they realize that, that Scrooge is not going to make a donation uh, as he does not give a damn about anyone else in the world yes and uh, i clearly went out of uh 
out of out of the timeline here but but yeah he he gets a visit not soon after from the ghost of his 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 uh late partner and uh, supposed friends right yeah jacob marley and uh jacob marley is this is one of my favorite parts and uh probably my favorite of the spirits only because you know, especially the way he's uh, portrayed in the Disney uh, Disney version, the animated version here. Like you know, Emperor he... Palpatine or not? Yeah. I felt like his voice was a bit over the top. I mean, it's supposed to be. It's supposed to be funny. It's supposed yeah. to be over the top. And But, you know, it's actually kind of scary because he's he's got these chains around him, right? Like he's weighed down. And he literally says, I wear the chain I forged in life. I made it link by link and yard by yard. The weight of it, I can, I cannot stay, I cannot linger anywhere. Mark me in, in life. My spirit never walked beyond our counting house, never roved beyond the narrow limits of our money changing hall. Now endless journeys lie before me. So basically, all the horrible things that he's done um, has created this this literal chain that he is, uh, you know, that he is tied to that, that keeps him down. He can't settle anywhere. He has to constantly move, but he can never go too far. So he just has to walk around dragging this weight behind him. Uh, and I love the idea of that, that, you know, your your actions in life, you know, have a consequence. And if you do the wrong thing, if you're really a horrible person, you know, you'll be weighed down by your sins. Uh, and I think he even mentions to to Scrooge that, you know, your chain was, was as long as this seven years ago when I died. So you can only imagine how long and how heavy the chains are that will be on uh, you know, beyond Scrooge when he does finally pass away. Yeah, and he he basically says that, like, while the sins follow you, well, I guess that he doesn't say this directly, but while the sins follow you, your money won't. Like, you can't take it with you. That's a yep. big theme. You know, you can't take it with you is, of course, its own short story, but it's also a point of Scrooge, uh, Scrooge's whole character arc. Um, you know, after that is when he gets the visit from the ghost of Christmas past, who I mentioned says, oh, you were a kid once you were kind of happy, but you were also, you know, a little fucking mad because you never got <laughs> to spend Christmas with anybody. And you became a cold businessman. He then gets a visit from the ghost well, of Christmas. I, I, we oh, did kind of skip over a little something, um, in the past, you know, there was a point where Scrooge was in love, right? Like he, he fell in love and, and was, to oh yeah, married, that was part of the Christmas past part, which is, it? which is really important <laughs> to his, his character arc because, you know, he, there was a time where he was, he thought he would be happy with this woman where they were getting married, you know, they were engaged. Um, yeah. Yeah. You know, and, and when he talked to his nephew earlier, you know, he, he asked his nephew why he got married. His nephew says, because I fell in love and Scrooge is disgusted by this and you don't really understand why at first. But eventually you realize it's because he pushed away the only woman he loved. You know, he he ruined his relationship with her. She, you know, there, there comes a point where, you know, we see them happy together. And then at the end of their relationship, she says to him, if you were free today, would you choose a dowerless girl, a girl left penniless by the death of her parents, you who weighs everything by gain? And, you know, Scrooge doesn't respond. He doesn't say, I love you. I want to be with you. He says nothing. So she finally says to him, you know, uh, I'll set you free. I will let you go and be free of me, and you don't have to, to have to worry. And she leaves him, and he doesn't go after her. He doesn't stop her because she has no money. That's why he won't marry her. You know, maybe he does care about her as a person, but she has nothing to give him. And you know, at this point in his life, that's all he cares about. So you know, he ruins this this possible marriage and love that he could have had. Yeah, he does weigh everything by gain. And that's interesting how like we we see such a slap in your face 
example of this is what a capitalist really is, that he does consider those under uh, unemployed and underpaid individuals to be to be surplus population. Yeah. That, you know, he he even weighs his relationships by how much he can gain. And I think that's very reminiscent of just our our idea as a capitalist society in the United States that. All right. Well, if you don't work, you don't deserve good things. I even saw a tweet the other day, and this isn't an, an original idea. The whole, oh, well, you know, I see people buying crab legs and steaks on their food stamp card. You know, like we just lost our humanity. Yeah. The idea that you only deserve health care if you're being productive and if you're working or you only deserve a good meal if you're if you're working and being productive is is disgusting. You know, yeah. we are we're just, you know, tools. We're just capital. To like, be you know, how many people. times have they said, you know, don't buy that that cup of coffee in the morning, you know, save your $3 and, and use that to, you know, put into an emergency fund. And, and I think that buy a house one day. Yeah. And, you know, the idea is that you should rob yourself of like a slight bit of happiness. Like, you know, why shouldn't you be able to enjoy a cup of coffee? You know, there's not, it's not an extravagant expense. And the fact that you wouldn't, shouldn't even be allowed to do that in order to, you know, live a, a happy and meaningful life according you know to to a ca- pro capitalist person you know is, is just so atrocious it's so disgusting and it's so selfish um, you know everyone should have the opportunity to to be able to get the, at least a small comfort in life yeah at the, at the very least um it's uh it's no comfort to to Scrooge once he gets visited by the second ghost the ghost yeah. of Christmas present who's very um, much like Father Christmas right he looks kind of like Santa Claus and at first he seems all jolly and happy <laughs> yeah uh, and he takes him on the uh, the Ebenezer Scrooge shit talking tour of whatever year <laughs> this happened to be yeah you know they're yeah. they're visiting everybody and this is when we do see his humanity kind of start to come out i think part of it is is pride when he visits fred and sees that you know everybody kind of sees him as a dick um right you know but i think uh i think and i i think it's also important for him to see fred and see him having a merry christmas with people despite the fact that he's not the wealthiest dude in the world like he is yeah. you know it's it really it really is the the people that that are important well his house is filled with laughter and joy you know like people are just they're having a great time you know it's not this extravagant party but it's a happy party um and i think Something that really stuck out to me was, you know, when he visits Fred and then he does visit Bob Cratchit as well, both Bob Cratchit and Fred toast to Scrooge. Like, even though he's such a terrible person, they both toast to him. You know, fucking to, simps, bro. They're simps. Yeah. Fuck. You know, because they, they just don't they don't want to sink down to his level. They don't want to be filled with hate and anger. They want to just be like grateful for what they have and, you know, for what little role he has in, in providing that to them. So the Ghost of Christmas Present, when he appears, I thought this was a pretty interesting quote. And it was changed from the original text um, because I think I sent you a Breitbart article actually calling it out. But uh, the message is, is pretty much the same. So the ghost says, hear me, Scrooge. Oh, I wanted to read that Breitbart article. God damn it. Yeah, yeah that's all right. Uh, he says, hear me, Scrooge. There are some upon this earth of yours who claim to know me and my brothers and do their deeds if, of ill will and selfishness in our name. These so-called men of the cloth are as strange to me and my kin as if they never lived. Charge their doings to them, not us. And I think what what he's kind of getting at there is, you know, these spirits are almost like godlike. You know, they're like pagan gods of the of the earth, and you know, people like to to blame the gods for their for their mistakes, and they like to blame, you know, 
or, or like priests and, and other people, you know, of religion, like they use their name to commit sin sometimes. And he's saying, you know, these, these are not these are not the people that that work beside me. They're they're strangers to me. I barely know of their existence. You know, don't blame don't blame us. Blame them because they're people that are corrupt and and wrong and evil. And and you have to face your own choices. You can't use you know an outside power as as the reason for your faults. You know, you have to take that on yourself. And I thought that was a pretty interesting quote. And again, that was slightly changed from the text um, as Breitbart wanted to call out. They're like, listen, you know, uh, they're really taking a shot at religion here. And although Dickens didn't really like religion, he wasn't going that far with it, which I thought was kind of funny. Um, but this is such a religious story when you think about it. It is. It there really three is. Go- there's a trinity of ghosts that come to this man and tell him that true salvation lies in giving up your material goods. The yeah. Christianity at its core is the poor man's religion. It's it's built on the tenets of giving away your material possessions, helping everybody you can, and in doing so, that's how you find true salvation. Although it says in the afterlife, you know, looking at the Bible as a fantasy novel like I do, I think it's a great story to tell and that it people is. should read realize that like you get you most likely get your salvation while you're still alive because it feels so good to help people and to be helped in in return to have a sense of of community if you're a true follower of jesus i mean you believe in doing good for people right because you know if you if you listen to the stories of jesus he was a really good person you know he he literally died for our sins if you read the story a real mensch that christ you know but he he believed in you know helping the poor and the sick and and just doing the right thing. So, you know, if you if you really are a man of the cloth, then you should have the same value. And if you use it to abuse others and take advantage of others, then you clearly don't actually believe in the message. So not only does uh, Scrooge see that uh, these two dudes are still kind of nice to him, even when he's not around, he does see that, uh, that you know, there's there's people in need of health care that he is refusing uh, to help. <laughs> Meanwhile, he can step in any day and and help out and that, you know, they can't even have a true Christmas dinner uh, because of of the wages in which he of which Bob Cratchit has been paid. Yeah, I mean, Tiny Tim is this really sweet and caring boy who's God bless everyone. You know, he just he wants everyone to be happy. Uh, and he is very sickly, and he's getting sicker every day. And, you know, like you mentioned, if he had health care or a little bit more money, Bob Cratchit, he'd be able to help his son and keep him alive. You know, and, and again, I, I, I think this is really where you see Scrooge start to wake up a little bit and go, you know, well, you know, I didn't know there was a sick kid involved. You know, like it starts to kind of be like, uh, you know. He starts pulling he at do... his collar. He's like, you know, He's like, shit. He's like, if I knew that. You know, Bob he's doesn't like, he's talk like, about oh. home, all right? That's not my fault. Yeah, and I think, you know, seeing Bob Cratchit toast to him, even though his wife, you know, hates Scrooge and, and you know, he's not helping this family, really kind of tugs at him a little bit. He's like, oh, man, you know, I, I didn't, I wasn't trying to hurt this family. I'm just doing what I thought was what I have to do. Uh, and so he starts to wake up a little bit, but you know, not before we see the ghost of Christmas uh, present kind of start to fade, right? You see him aging and getting more and more, you know, oh, ancient yeah, this is looking. trippy as Yeah, fun. and then these two children come crawling out from under his robes, uh, and he says they are man's. The boy is ignorance, the girl is want, but wear them both. You know, and I think that sums up Scrooge pretty well. He is... You know, like you you said it before, he's ignorant to the plight of people, you know, that he's forgotten. He's forgotten what it's like to be to be poor again and not have, you know, the money for health care and all those those vital needs. You know, he's ignorant to, to what they need. 
but he has that desire, that want to just keep getting more money. He just wants to keep hoarding wealth. Uh, and, and these two things have just driven him to become the worst of the worst and, and such a, a hated figure. And one thing I also want to mention is how they, so this is, you know, partially you have your, your, another Christian theme in there, which is reproduce. Uh, you know, the, they mentioned in that one video I, I watched that, uh, you know, Bob Pratchett is having too many kids to be able to take care of them. And that's his fault, uh, him and his wife's fault, I guess. Uh, and it's still a, a sentiment that's shared by a lot of conservatives today that, oh, well, if you can't afford them, don't have them. But, you know, they're not acknowledging all of the circumstances that lead to individuals being forced or all but forced into childbirth. You know what? I'll yep. say it. Forced into childbirth, forced into having kids. Yeah. Um, you know, I think I do think personal responsibility is important, but you really have to acknowledge th- there are environmental factors that shape an individual's path, or at least shape where they come from, and that it it does make a difference. And I, it's really hard for me to just go from that lens. Because I mean, you remember when we were at Comic Con that day, and some guy was scamming me for twenty dollars. He said his kid was in the car, and they didn't have gas. I threw him the twenty dollars without he even did. thinking about it, because I was like, he yeah, did. fuck it, I don't know. I'm just going to spend it on another action figure. These guys, you know, probably need it. And, you know, if he didn't actually need it and he's a scammer, well, there's a reason why he was scamming in the first place. Like, I, I don't know, man. Yeah. I just, I, I couldn't see myself being that well, person. This kind of goes back to to Matt's comments about the Penguin, right? That, you know, he was shaped by by his environment. So, you know, it goes it goes both ways, I guess. You know, you it really does have an impact on on who you are and, and the, the actions that you that you commit. And on to the, the final ghost, the ghost of Christmas future. Things things that, that may may come, things that are, are to be. Scrooge Scrooge sees uh sees that well, little Timmy didn't get or not little Timmy, Tiny Tim, I should respect <laughs> the name. Although same thing. Um yeah. that Tiny Tim uh did not get the the medical help that he needed and he was oh, you know, I think it was polio. Yeah, it was so, either polio or tuberculosis. I think it's kind of up in the air which one it was. He was sick. He didn't get the help he needed. He died. And yeah. I mean, um, you see the impact this has on Bob Cratchit, right? He is completely crushed. His family is is torn apart. And I think this really like hits Scrooge in the heart. Finally, like a real like blow. He's like, you know, he's like, oh my, like Bob, you know. And he's just he just can't believe that Tiny Tim didn't make it. And really quick talking about Bob, I just like I noticed how even he has like a home at least. Yes. And yep. like this whole thing kind of reminded me of the basic living wage, which is a big argument. I've seen people who are who say like, oh, well, you know, a basic living wage means that, you know, people who don't deserve to get paid more don't get paid more or something like that. Like, do you think a doctor should be making as much as somebody who flips burgers at McDonald's? And I, you know, that's not really the case because I know this this is going to sound I don't know, very, very opposite from from where I usually stand. But like if there was a like a universal living wage that everybody made, I like and with that, you can afford a home conveyance, food and some comforts. 
Like, I would actually be okay. And then you have the millionaires and the billionaires and blah, 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 you know, that, that are off doing their thing, living living their fucking monstrous lifestyles or whatever. But, like, if, if everybody were provided for it, the bare minimum, like, it would be such a different story in my mind, even then. And, like, we're not even close to that. Like, I mean, it, you know, I get, I get that argument, too. You know, should a, should a heart surgeon and, and someone at McDonald's make the same wage? Probably not, no. But the, the gap between them is so severe yeah, they should you, both have a home. Yeah, like regardless. they should both be able to make it, you know. And and like you know, uh, typically the people who work at like McDonald's or, or things are, are a lot of younger kids, right? Like teenagers and people are trying. Well, to, you that's know, the thought. That's what that's it was. The thought. Right? But it, it now was you like, have oh. adults who need to take that job, uh, and, and you know it would be nice if they had a path to being able to more, stay. They should have gotten educated. They should have gotten a better job, right? Yeah, that's the argument, right? But you know, how are you going to pay for that education? What if you can't get a job in your field? Do you wind up working at a supermarket, becoming a you manager. Tie, tie. Anyway, sorry, sorry. Uh, <laughs> but you know, it's nice to have a path, and you know, sometimes your only path is to go into management. And you know, even then, at like fast food restaurants, you barely make anything. You know, and and you know, people will complain that their food is wrong, or their you know, why why is why is it taking so long? Well, maybe if you you made the people working there actually feel like their job mattered. Uh, and and they weren't just you know slaves to Train you. Them better, not faster. Yeah, um, I mean, I could I could tell you right now, service time is everything. It's not about what you get out; it's about the amount of time you get it out. And when I worked at Wendy's, that was the most important thing. It's still drilled into me to this day that service time is what counts. That by the time we get up to that speaker, you should know what the fuck you want and not be looking at the menu. Like they are mm-hmm. all about speed, speed, speed. And I'm not shaming people who do. My fucking wife does that all the time. Pull up, pull up. <laughs> Can't you see the menu from where we are? Christ, just order. <laughs> like I like, look it I up am, online beforehand. But I do. <laughs> ins- <laughs> it's, yeah, it's insufferable, uh, you know, to to be around. I understand that, but I can say from from a perspective of somebody who's worked in in fast food, they don't care about how well you're doing your job. They barely care about how happy you are, your attitude. They really just care about how quickly you can produce. Yes. And that's, you know, that's unfortunately it. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, it would just be different if it was like, all right, guys, we all get to eat food and survive. We all get a place to live. Maybe we get a car or, like I said, access to conveyance. I mean, like, just something true- beyond just surviving, I think, is the key. You know what I mean? Like, and, it, and I think for a while that was possible in the 50s and the 60s, right? You know, like you it was, get, and that's why boomers didn't mind, you know, yes. the eccentric, you know, millionaires and whatever, because it was like, all right, I still have my fucking car, I still have my kids, I can still take a vacation here yep. and there, I got an okay job. That'll, you know, I'm a fucking TV salesman and I can pay for all this stuff. Like, you know, thank God. Now, you know, a TV salesman is somebody who works, you know, part time at a Best Buy, you know, in addition to working part time at another job. Like, you shouldn't. I don't know. It's a fun game to play capitalism, but you know, you shouldn't have to be homeless or dead or experiencing homelessness or death in order to, you know, like if, if you lose it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean like people like you and me have to choose every year between, are we going to go on vacation? Are we going to pay off some of this debt, some of these medical bills, you know? And sometimes those, those vacations, those little things are kind of like your motivator to keep going. And as as shallow as that might sound, sometimes, you know, the the humdrum, you know, just constant going to work and, you know, putting food on the table and going back to work, you need something to look forward to. And I think it's so important that everyone has the opportunity to enjoy their life, even just a little bit, even if it's just for once a year. 
Well, that monotony turns you into exactly what you are. You, yeah. It's a drone. You know, you you fall into that, and there's there's no sort of sense like it. the The feeling of worthlessness when you spend your you know you're either working or sleeping or traveling to and from work. You have no time to yourself to be an actual person, and yep. you know that is that is like one of the biggest pitfalls in capitalism. I've I've had some terrible days just because like, you know, for some people work isn't work, work is survival. Yep. You know, so um and, and like how often do you I mean, I don't know about you, but I, I like I'll spend I'll buy something or I'll I'll get I'll treat myself to food because it makes me feel better. And then I feel instantly guilty for spending the money. And that oh, just yeah. eats yeah. at me and it's it like pretty often. it's a horrible like you know, just it just keeps going around and around. You try to you try to find something that makes you happy. You spend the money, then you feel guilty for spending it, and and you just wind up depressing yourself more. It's it's a horrible trap. Yeah, and at this moment in the story, Scrooge is trapped in the potential future. What else does he see? I know he sees his tombstone. Probably yeah. Gave spoilers. Well, well, basically, you know, I mean, we're this ghost is kind of the Grim Reaper, right? That's how he's portrayed in a lot of modern media, and you know, he doesn't say much to Scrooge and. You know, he he takes him to to a funeral. He takes him to a funeral, which he's men are joking about how cheap the funeral would be, and no one would want to attend it. You know, and and basically, you know, we don't know whose funeral this is. And like you said, we do see a tombstone. Eventually, it's revealed this is Scrooge. This is Scrooge. He's dead, and all these people are laughing at his death. They're they're going to remember oh, yeah, him as no one as no one of importance. Or they may not even remember him, you know. Like he's yeah. he'll be forgotten, uh, and and they they're all they steal from him. No one goes to his funeral. They, they you know he's there. He's laughed at, and that's his legacy. That's the legacy he's left behind. And you know, when you really think about it, again, you can't bring the money with you. So what's left behind? It's the memories, and you know, and the people that you shared them with. And so I think we all like I know for me, I think the scariest thing about death is being forgotten. Like I, I want people to remember me and I want them to remember me fondly. I want to, you know, there are people, be people I loved and who love me back that, that still think about me, you know, once in a while when I'm gone. And, you know, Scrooge does not have that. He, he is lost. He's pushed everyone away and he will be forgotten, left, you know, cold and alone to wander the earth with his chains of, of, you know, malice. Listen, man, I'm going to tell you right now, I will not be remembering you because when you go, I'm telling them to dig two graves. Oh That's my it. man, I'm going. I'm going in, man. Fucking <laughs> go together. Ride, <laughs> ride and die. As a matter of fact, Delman and Louise will be just like um, them. But yeah, Scrooge does seem to be able to avert this future, uh, unlike in the Terminator franchise. I know random <laughs> reference. Uh, he's able to prevent Judgment Day by judging himself and coming to the conclusion that oh shit, he. Sorry, did you finish everything with the? Yeah, Christmas yeah, yeah. Future? Yep. All right. Uh, so he he wakes up and it's still Christmas morning and instantly he starts yo buy a fucking turkey uh let's let's you know donate to the people that I wasn't right. gonna donate to and here's the back payments oh it'd be so good to get back payments even <laughs> though we're not gonna be getting it I don't think we're yeah. getting it with this next stimulus deal nah. um but yeah like you know, you know you gotta imagine this 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 actually took place over several nights to him right uh, whereas maybe it only was a few hours. You know, for the story, you know, he experienced days of, of traveling with these ghosts, reliving his memories. You're seeing, used to it if you know magic, guys. Yeah, seeing, seeing, you know, what his actions have caused. And, you know, I think there's created a legitimate change in his heart and in his mind. 
and he realizes now what he's what he's done and what he's lost and he wants to make it right you know not just to, so that he can be happy so he can make other people happy and i think that's which is nice and it's nice and i don't know if i necessarily would believe that would happen with everyone uh who has this kind of wealth but you know it's a nice idea to think that maybe they could change and, and be someone who actually is uh you know caring and you want to be around uh, and you know Scrooge, He'd he like to he, think so, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know Scrooge. He like you said, he he buys you know this big big uh, bird, and he you know he he donates a ton of money, and you know he winds up going to his nephew's In house. The Muppets the, version, he literally buys Big Bird. He does. He buys <laughs> Big Bird. He, he, right he goes to, <laughs> he goes to dinner with his nephew, and his nephew's so happy to see him. Right, like he's not upset. He's actually so happy. And you know Scrooge talks about how he's going to treat them right, and he's like, I'll spare no expense. After all, you can't take it with you, can you? And, you know, he says that to his nephew because yep. he, yep. he understands now. He'd rather have the love of his last remaining family member than, than hoard this wealth that will mean nothing to him when he dies. Um, you know, and, and, of course, he does right by Bob Cratchit. And, you know, he, he, uh, he plays a little trick on him because Bob was supposed to be there earlier the next day and he's running a little late. And, you know, he tells him he's oh, raising yes. his pay. He, you know, he's going to help him. Uh, pay his mortgage, I think he says in the in the Disney ver- uh, the Muppets version. He you know he's gonna take care of Tiny Tim, and you know they tell you that you know after this Scrooge was better than his word. He did all of that, and he he said he would and more. And to our Tiny Tim who got well, Scrooge was like a second father. He became as good a friend, as good a master, and as good as a man to the good old city ever knew. And it was always said to him that he knew how to keep Christmas well. And so as Tiny Tim observed, God bless us, everyone. You know, and it just shows that, you know, all year long, Scrooge was a good man. He treated everyone well. He became beloved, right? He went from this 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 hated miser to this beloved figure of the city. And everybody knew that he was going to fucking have the best Christmas around. So pretty, pretty cool. Yeah, I, I, I didn't think about it until you just, uh, you know, orated it so well that, that yeah, like, it is a it is the older generation's job to to help the younger generation. I uh, you know once again I've said it before probably. Yeah. But I don't like the idea of I struggled so you have to struggle too. Yeah. You know why I not make that struggle easier. Yeah. Like I I just I with the debt that I'm in I would never wish anyone else uh that comes after me debt. I would never. I don't know, wish anyone the stuff that, that, I, that I've had to deal with growing right. up. Which is and, what Max um, is trying to do for his son in Batman Returns. Yes, Max is trying to do for his son in Batman Returns, but not anybody else. And Scrooge is really personifying that idea of, all right, I'll help the next generation. And he doesn't, he just helps him medically. He doesn't give him like, you know, uh, you know, an extra start in life and all this other stuff, you know, a handout as you want to call it. He just helps the kid out with bare minimum, his, his health and pays his father a little extra cash. Like, you know, it's, it's not, you know, it's not that big of a thing. It's, um, it, you know, he acts as a mentor, as a teacher. And like, that's the goal. Even if it's not your kid, the next generation should be the ones that, that we do seek to help out. And, uh, you know, I, I think that that is another great theme that's hidden in this movie. Um, and in, in this story in general, there are many versions as, as we mentioned before, I do want to mention, you know, we mentioned it with Tolkien, uh, and, uh, and the Lovecraft country, which, I mean, they mentioned it themselves, uh, but <laughs> apparently Charles Dickens does have a complicated history uh, regarding his racism. Uh, 
Which, from what I understand, that was a very CNN way of saying it. It was. Charles Dickens was a racist. Uh, I, I'll put a, a little article in the, in the show notes about it. Uh, similarly to many prominent authors of the Victorian era, he expressed both racist and xenophobic views in his work. He looked down on the native people in British colonies, believing their lifestyles to be uncivilized and that colonization was for their own good. The Oxford Dictionary of English Literature describes Dickens as nationalistic, often stigmatizing foreign European cultures and taking his attitude to colonize people to genocidal extremes. Woo. So... All about class, not recognizing race. Yeah, I mean, I and like you said, you, you don't don't put all your stock in a person. You know what I mean? I did say that. That's right. Right, and like, so we're not sitting here saying Charles Dickens not was a some fucking hero, you know? But he had some good takes on on class struggle. Um, he wrote some fantastic, you know, stories uh, that depict this. And you know, take take what you will. But I think you know the message of of a Christmas Carol is. More important now than ever because you know we we now, have the more than ever now more than ever we have the biggest disparity in in wealth we've ever seen. Um, and again, this doesn't mean Charles Dickens was a hero. I'm not gonna yeah, not Marxism or Dickensism or anything like yeah, that. It's just not a Dickens. It's just you know just understand that. Um, yeah, we're not you know we're just here to 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 tell you about Christmas Carol and why why it's so important. Uh, interestingly enough, he wanted to spare no expense in publishing this book, so he actually hired artists who would paint it and uh, made sure that it was, yeah, re- really like high high class stuff. Dude, he knew he had a banger. <laughs> Unfortunately, a lot of people weren't able to afford it because of that. I mean, it Yikes. is kind of a pamphlet to the upper class, anyway. So yeah. you know, a cautionary tale. But that that was that was interesting. Um, oh, I'm also seeing that in his writings, he compared Indian people to dogs, called for the extermination of their race. <clears throat> so a Christmas carol. Of, of people in Oliver Twist. <laughs> but yeah, um, you know, all, all, all in all, I was, uh, I, was, I was pleasantly surprised. I can see why this movie is held up, why, or why the story in general is held up, why it is a classic. This isn't even the newest version. There was a new version last year on FX, actually. I feel like every few years is a new version. Yeah, which uh, which version one. did you like more? Yeah, I saw a version with uh, Andrew Lincoln on, on Instagram. I saw like a quick nice. shot of it. I was like, oh, shit, Rick Grimes. Oh, yeah, I wanted to watch that, actually. He's doing a, a live performance. Oh, my God. You know what they could call it? What? A Christmas choral. <laughs> <laughs> For our Walking Dead fans uh, out there. There you go. Oh, which was my favorite version? I preferred the Muppet version, honestly. Yeah, the Muppet one's a lot of fun. It's more like yeah. I'm not usually one for uh, for for musicals, but but I liked it. I think the animation really fucked me up on the other one because, like, with Scrooge, they were like, "Yo, let's go hyper realistic," and they're like, "All right, everyone else will take either the guys who did background CG work for Shrek Two when he becomes what? a man." Or we'll take the people who did Megamind and make other people look like Jonah Hill from that movie. I feel like we always, uh, this is where we always have We always do. Opinions. We have such a different eye for the art. <laughs> I know, <laughs> it's true. interesting. It's very true. Um, but I guess I guess you were you were a fan of it, or you didn't see anything wrong with it, at least. I think it just works for such a, it's supposed to be a scary story, and it, it has this weird kind of feeling it to it. It wasn't you know? not scary, I'll definitely yeah. say that. Yeah, so I'll, de- no. I'll definitely say that. Didn't bother um, but, me. But yeah, um, I feel like there was something I wanted to close out on, but I really can't. Other than Dickens being, I mean, racist. I think we should close out on the fact that this is episodes dropping on Christmas Day, right? Oh yeah, Merry Christmas to those of you who celebrate. Yeah. Thanks for listening, and uh, you know, I hope that the message of this film 
is something that you hold dear to your heart and uh you know you treat your loved ones well and all year round yeah and you know it is interesting that um i wonder what dickens would think seeing how christmas is portrayed now would he would, would he be like guys this is kind of the fucking opposite of what i wanted it's but... the indians fault he would say <laughs> that's right like, he oh, would say. christ dickens here we go again you'd be like Alex oh Jones. my god imagine he's like he's like so um you know i heard of this this washington team who plays football i want to <laughs> see them now that I'm here returning to Earth. <laughs> they changed what? They changed their name? Fuck it. I don't want to watch football. Um, but uh, but yeah, in a time where we do have people who are who are being evicted in the middle of a pandemic and there is uh I guess it was a nervous, treacherous laugh that just came out of me. <laughs> yeah. Um, and an empathetic one that came from you. because uh, it's so terrible. It's so terrible to say these things and, don't worry, and know we got, that we got six hundred bucks yeah. on the way. But yeah, but thank God for the 600. But yeah, people are being evicted in the time of a pandemic, you know, in the middle of the winter. Um, you know, there are people who are still facing uh, homelessness, the unhoused population. So so this is this is very relevant, like you said, now more than ever. Um, but uh, but yeah, awesome. Thanks. Uh, you know, thanks to all of you for listening. Thanks to Matt for for their comments at the beginning. That started a pretty good Batman Returns dialogue. Ty, thanks for suggesting the movie. <laughs> of course. And uh, what are we going to be watching next week? Uh, I think we're going to, you know, cap out. We'll be uh, be New Year's Day when the next episode goes live. And this will be the holiday season. So I think we're still going to do the Grinch. We're going to talk about the Grinch, cap off the holidays and then move into uh, some other stuff in January. Oh, you son of a Grinch. I'm ready for it. Uh, but that being said, the rest of you, remember you can listen to us, rate and review us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe to us on YouTube. Hit that notification bell so you never miss a video. We're also putting our outtakes and other exclusive content up there. More exclusive content available on the Patreon that we won't get any patrons for. Find us on Twitter at PolitipopPod, Instagram at PolitipopPodcast, and always remember that you can email us at PolitipopCast at gmail.com. Find our show notes and sources at PolitipopPodcast.wordpress dot com for the politipop podcast i've been mike booch and i've been ty i've loved every second of it and no matter what you're watching no matter what you're singing no matter uh whether or not you believe christmas carol is socialist propaganda or um you know just appealing to the basic humanity of of people who have been indoctrinated by capitalism never stop thinking never stop working and always remember to read between the lines And scene. Ah, there we are.